You're listening to Bajar, a podcast celebrating creators and innovators at different stages of their entrepreneurial journey. These people started their journey on the very streets that we're on. Why don't you come take a look? Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Vichar. First off, we have a couple of super interesting things we're working on here behind the scenes at Vichar to improve your listener experience, so stay tuned for those updates on our Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook pages. Today, for the first time, uh, we're joined by a team of co-founders, Tanvi Bikchandani and Charanya Shaker, who have come together to start Tamarind Chutney, a sustainable apparel brand with the mission of improving livelihoods of artisans and weavers and reducing textile waste all across India. Now, Charania is a textile apparel and layout design enthusiast with a bachelor's in textile design from the National Institute of Fashion and Technology in Hyderabad. And Tanvi most recently graduated from the Stanford Graduate School of Business and is someone super passionate about social justice, sustainability, and entrepreneurship. Today, we're going to use this time to dive deep into the changing landscape of the apparel industry in India and how Tanvi and Charania have come together with their diverse educational backgrounds to start something that is really setting the tone for this change. So first of all, Tanvi, Charania, thank you so much for making the time. I know we had to reschedule this, but really glad you guys could make the time again. Uh, and for our listeners, I'm just going to hand the floor over to you guys, uh, you know, to, so that you guys can briefly introduce yourselves and uh, yeah, you know, tell our, tell our listeners a bit more about yourselves. Great. Thanks, Shashank. So uh, we're going to introduce each other. So I'm Tanvi and I'm going to introduce Charanya. Uh, Charanya is, um, as you mentioned, a textile and apparel uh, designer by training. She is the creative brain behind Tamron Chutney. So if you have heard of us or if you are checking us out now and you like any of our products, it's all thanks to Charanya. She ensures that we have stuff to sell. And I will let Charanya introduce me now. Thanks, Tanvi. And uh, that was Tanvi Bikrandani. The reason you can see those products and the reason why those products are up on sale is all because of her. She is the reason why Tamron Chutney makes money ethically and equitably. She also has an MBA. Uh, that's so that she can get into the system and then break it down from the inside. You know, there's always been this like general perception that it's extremely difficult to combine inclusive growth with, you know, top line growth. And I think a lot of designers across India say that compared to like regular clothes, creating sustainable fashion can be not just tedious, uh, but also very capital intensive and time consuming, which has a direct impact on, you know, the profit margins. But then others would also say that they're producing the sustainable fashion. So consumers are naturally nowadays at least okay with paying a slightly higher price which again helps uh you know compensate for those additional costs and helps you know again in the top line figures so in your opinion does the math add up and and do you think it's possible for profitability and sustainability to coexist sure i can take that first i think uh, it is possible definitely is it going to be as profitable as maybe a fast fashion company or you know a company that that basically charges the same amount that i'm charging and does not pay its workers ethically of course not right i'm you know right. like i there are no silver bullet solutions 
mm-hmm. you can do well like you know uh, do good and do well at the same time which is what sustainable fashion is doing but there is a trade off i'm not here to say hey i'm going to make as much money as as you know a company that does not treat its workers well because by definition my mission is to treat, pay my workers more so mm-hmm. yeah the profitability potential is there but it is going to be slower it is going to be you know um not like exponential growth maybe the way vcs expected or or you know we're used to seeing these sort of large working capital injections into into these fashion companies it's not that but yes it's definitely possible it's there i mean tamlin chutney is such a small brand um we were bootstrapped but we are still cash flow positive i think we'll start with you charania why don't you start off by telling us a little bit more about how tamlin chutney came to be and what the initial catalyst was behind you guys uh, you know starting this venture so i think sanvi and i had been talking about it since school days even though we kind of knew that um we would head out in different directions um like education wise but we always had the sort of impact mindset okay we need to make a difference mindset which where we sort of um you know again met up so i went off study design sanvi was uh, studying you know liberal arts and all of that but still like even when we would come back for our summer vacations during undergrad we would still sit and talk about oh you know how like the artisan space is such a great space and you know maybe we could uh, sort of merge our talents and see what we can do in this space so that it was an ongoing conversation since i think 2008 or 2009 and and finally i think in uh, 2019 uh the beginning of 2019 we were just like you know this is uh this is a good year i'm uh, i was just about to convocate for my post graduation in apparel design and tanvi was in her first year of uh, mba and tanvi was also super impact driven at that point um and i was just about to switch jobs so tanvi and i were just like you know what let's just do it charanya it's now or never we have the energy we have the time Yeah, I'm sure you guys, you know, just got that feeling that it was the right time, right? It was. Yeah, we would we would come back, we would talk about it, we would say, "Oh, you know, India needs a young hip brand that knows how to do business in the right way." So that's how Tamlin Chutney was born. Well, that's a that's a very interesting story. I mean, it it's quite inspirational to see that you've actually worked on a dream that you guys were were chasing together when you were kids and and now it's come up to be being an actual physical venture and you're selling products and making a difference uh through through what you're doing um but just transitioning into um talking about the industry more and about how you're looking to change the industry so um so just starting off by changing an industry especially um one which we which you're in where a consumer is given a variety of options it it's extremely tricky right so and then and then you look at your venture when you add sourcing materials from sustainable suppliers and also sourcing excess fabrics from other manufacturers it seems like there's a lot of logistical components to figure out um more than usual clothing businesses that's for sure so could you tanvi maybe walk us through how you tackle how you tackle these issues and these logistical logistical uh speed bumps essentially um to ensure that orders are fulfilled and on time to your consumers sure honestly that's something we're still still tackling i think the advantage is that we started really small so mm-hmm. um 
on the logistical piece i think a part of it is just the cost of doing business in india right we are at a stage in the country where mobile internet penetration is very very high so we are mm-hmm. taking full advantage of that um we have done a few field visits and so on to meet our artisans but of course since the pandemic that has completely stopped and we have onboarded artisans completely virtually so for instance um you know if we find an artisan through whether you know by connecting through an, with a non-profit or going through a government database we find the contact of that artisan we send them a message we um say okay hey you know we're a brand we want to source from you can you send us pictures of your stuff and the artisans are all on whatsapp so they send us pictures if we mm-hmm. like something we'll ask them to send a swatch of their fabric or their product which is just like a small one you know 2 inch by 2 inch or whatever like a small square piece of cloth just as a sample so we right. get that we pay for it if we like it then we make a small order like 15 meters 20 meters of fabric and then um and then you know if they deliver that on time if we're happy with the quality then we'll give them a large order so we have a process uh, it's lean in the sense that it's virtual so we don't have to spend you know man hours and women hours and feed on the street um for it but it is time consuming so we build in buffers like if we have to launch a collection next week or next month we cannot mm-hmm. get a new artisan so we have to plan so that's i think one the second mm-hmm. thing that helps us navigate the logistical challenges is centralized production so our fabric as i mentioned comes from all over the country uh, our artisans are uh, usually in rural areas either they work by themselves or they work in small units 7 to 10 people at max you know 20 25 unit not mm-hmm. we don't work with like large businesses because they anyway have access to markets so the fabric comes from everywhere but the tailoring happens in delhi Uh, in the outskirts of delhi so we uh, work with a tailoring unit uh, that is very close to where we live just fortunately i mean we anyway wanted to stay in delhi but but it's very fortunately very close to where both of us live so it's really easy for us to go there and and you know that's where the quality control i think happens it would not have been possible if like the clothes were being stitched remotely so that's right yeah and like how did you source these artisans are uh, the artisans who make the fabric we we went um we connected with various non-profits whose model or whose mission is to train artisans and provide them oh wow a lot of them have databases we contacted the government they also gave us databases some of the larger and by large i mean you know people who have like 10 20 artisans working with them some of the larger artisans come to delhi once in a while for you know to delhi hat or one of these bazaars so we also go there but like the right. most small artisans we work with we have to so you know connect with them through non profits because they don't have the the capital to you know come and make a trip to delhi to show their products so it's a combination yeah you know i think it's amazing that you guys are so efficiently be uh, you know able to source these artisans and you know reach out to them etc but i guess my question is how have you been able to as a brand uh give back to these artisans you know whether it be through community building initiatives you know long term partnerships uh profit sharing whatever that might be how how do you think you've you've been able to give back to them as of now we have uh, we had started with a little bit of profit sharing but right now it's really not making us a sense because you know we, whatever money we sort of do get we want to put back into the business right. so we can grow it um, but but our long term goals like the the most uh, evident one would be profit sharing that you know if we make 40% we would want to give back at least 10% or 20% directly to them um and uh, and as of now like we had started with uh, 
small little fun during the during the um, you know the lockdown time where everything just shut and um, everyone's orders got cancelled or you know there was um, uh, trouble with the supply chain so people couldn't weave even though they had looms in the house so we sort of quickly uh, made like a small covid uh, fund for them and then we sort of gave them payments directly against um nothing like we didn't we didn't say that okay we are paying you in advance or anything we just gave it to them so that they can help um sustain for those 3 months uh long term as of now we would like to make a larger difference like if we can you know help them with uh ed- with their children's education or be it healthcare we would want them to have the same benefits as someone who's working for a corporate you know um be it, be it, be it you know healthcare or if there's or if they're having um you know paid leaves and things like that we would want to um work towards that so that they are incentivized to stay in this uh, occupation because mostly people start leaving it because they don't see any benefits you know working together as friends and i know that this idea is something that you guys have been working on and developing since 2008 2009 so i'm guessing you guys have been friends for even longer and you know i think something we've all learned through vichar and and i've seen you know are, are the potential difficulties present when you know when it comes to working with friends there's a, there's a lot of positives you know you don't have to build that sense of chemistry it's easier to relate to one uh, one another it's easier to create create a positive environment but then there's also negatives you know sometimes if things aren't getting done or if you have a, a you, you have a problem with you know the kind of work someone else has done it it might be tough to go to them and tell them that because you don't you know they're your close friends and you don't want to hurt their feelings etc and then you know sometimes what also ends up happening is that you often get tangled in this battle between personal and professional and over time let's say uh, you're having a conversation with someone uh, on your team who's also your very good friend and they come to you and say that xyz has happened you obviously empathize but then you also indirectly start thinking about how it might affect your product your venture as a whole you know the different components of a venture and and this probably happens a lot more when there's big money involved right so i guess my question to you guys is you guys have been friends for such a long time do you see the business affecting that friendship and if so how do you draw a strict line between personal and professional and i think we can start with uh, charania here and then and tanvi then you can you can add on after uh i think one of our values of tc is transparency and i think that's actually come from our friendship where okay. we are just we from the get go we had laid down these rules that okay um Tanvi, Charanya, if you know both of us have any problems, we are going to be the first people to talk about it. You know, yeah. we come and tell each other what is going on in our head. Um, complete, complete transparency and communication between us, because any moment there's any sort of you know feeling you're harboring inside or something that's just going to erupt into something else. And if you don't talk it out and if you don't clear it then and there, then it's it's definitely going to stay and uh, sprout into something uh, evil over time so i think the major major factor between us is communication like if there's anything that's going wrong personal professional anything we always come and tell each other about what's what's going on and what's wrong and and as you said that okay you know sometimes you're not you're not happy with how the person has done the work and something it's just that our skill sets are complementary right so i would never question and we about um you know strategic decisions that she's making and 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 she always like explains it in a way that i understand because i'm not that like i don't think that strategically sometimes 
so and i always see sense in it and vice versa you know she never questions me on my design um suggestions or my designs or anything and 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 she always like has my back whenever i i think that something should be done done that way so i think that's that's one um benefit uh to have a best friend but who also has complementary skill sets so it's like creating that line of communication basically absolutely absolutely just be completely 100 transparent about what you're thinking what you're feeling sometimes yeah you're in an irritable mood and but then we really could at recognizing those things <laughs> of mine and then she's just like okay zarania i know you're not in a great mood it's okay we can do the photography later looking at it from from a perspective of of taking the leap into entrepreneurship or sticking on the more traditional professional path so as we know getting an education especially in the US uh be it undergraduate or postgraduate is a is a very heavy investment and um just just a stat um that as of 2020 the student loan debt in the US alone was estimated at 1.7 trillion dollars so many see the return of such an investment through working in the corporate world um there are many factors to this mostly because you're promised higher salaries from the start uh you have job security and also the opportunity to grow in the respective company So I'm sure this played on your mind uh, when you were thinking of starting Tamron Chutney over the years. Um so what advice would you give our listeners who are in college or or early grads um who want to take the leap um keeping in mind that there is some sort of financial burden on on everyone who goes um to any institution anywhere in the world. I'm not again like there are no you know silver bullets I actually am very against the advice that a lot of people give is just follow your passion you know if you must you know fall like find something that you're passionate about but within your constraints you know you have to like entrepreneurship is very i would say stressful like maybe not extremely or extremely stressful every day but like it is a grind and there's so many non glamorous parts of it so you have to feel financially and psychologically secure and so i think if you are looking for a way to de-risk entrepreneurship college and grad school like mba is a great time to try things because like you know i i got this advice from someone like they were like if you want to be an entrepreneur eventually why don't you just do it over the summer holidays um yeah. you know of worst case if it doesn't work out like you can just find a job later like it's not like you've like given up 3 years of your life and so on so i think like that is one way to de-risk it of course colleges especially in the us have a lot of um you know financial support that they are now giving at least some colleges are giving for entrepreneurial projects stipends seed money and so on so i think that is that is one thing to take uh, to take advantage of but yeah i would not honestly advise doing like a bootstrapped company if without without having like a financial um sort of cushion um i will definitely say that that try things within college to one know if you want to be an entrepreneur or not like a lot of entrepreneurial projects will give you that sense so you know then you're not giving up a lot uh financially but you're also learning and of course if things work out then they work out and then of course secondly when you are taking that plunge um entrepreneurial plunge definitely um you know give yourself enough runway to find funding and so on and so forth um it's best to start with pilots and small small things so that you know what you're getting into from like a do i like the kind of work i'm doing do i like the people i'm working with am i interested in this problem once those once you're sure about those answers in a small scale i think then the leap of faith feels a little more natural and then you can you know sort of like okay i have proven enough 
to myself and to other people in the outside world that I'm able to um, do this and I'm competent and now I can raise money, right? Like if you just start a company like without experience and right. you have a loan, nobody's going to want to mm-hmm. fund you because they'd be like, how do I know you'll succeed? And then there's going to be a lot of pressure. So start exactly. small, start when you're in school or college uh, with tiny projects because that that's just a more risk-free way of, of doing it. Through our research and through the episodes we've done so far, and, and you know through the entrepreneurs we've spoken to, and, and even and even uh, both of you mentioned this, is that there's several challenges, right? Like just to, to run and scale a startup, there's obviously a significant amount of working capital that goes in, and again, a lot of startups these days are bootstrapped and just have enough money to operate, let alone scale, right? So, and, and on top of that, funding in a climate like this during COVID, I'm sure, isn't too easy to obtain either. And then on top of that. I think India ranks 77 out of 190 in the World Bank's ease of doing business index. And often, you know, there's a lot of bureaucratic processes and a lack of transparency, which you guys are trying to solve, uh, which can be seen in the lack of in, the, in, the, in terms of the lag in paperwork, how fast things get done, tech issues. Uh, so, uh, you know, obviously things like that. So and actually another issue is that there's also like and, and tell me if you guys feel this, but there's also this disconnect in terms of the product that a lot of entrepreneurs in India are providing for and the people who get to use them, right? Because in India, 70% of their population, I think, lives in rural areas. And startups often have an insufficient understanding of consumers in those areas and their needs, right? So uh, I think we'll start with you, Charanya. Since you guys started Tamron Chutney not too long ago, I mean, I'm sure you guys face some of these challenges, if not all of these challenges. And what has your experience been like? Um, Yes, we, yes to... All the challenges that you mentioned, uh, starting from tech, yeah. starting from bureaucracy, uh, to people just uh, not not being as um, as swift as we would like them to be. Uh, it is it is it is challenging, but you always have to find a workaround. And you know when people see that you are not going to let it go so easily, and you are one of those. Uh, people who are a little clingy and you'll come back to them and keep pestering them to get your work done, they will eventually do your work. Um, so that was, that's an answer to your, like the first question that you asked me. Uh, and I do feel like if, if people, yeah, if you yeah. are recording and people see that, okay, you know, you're here to stay, then people also, it, it sort of wears off onto them, you know, your excitement, your energy, your drive, your passion wears off onto them. And then they're like, okay, yes, you know, uh, these people want to make a change. So let's, Let's help them in any way right. possible. So, um, you really need to know how to hustle in India, and and it it I would say like it helps. You know, it helps if you say that yeah, I'm from NIFT or I'm from NID. People do take notice, and that gives you a leg up. Uh, but after that, it is how you want course, to yeah. sort of drive the car, um, and people will want to be driven along. But you know, I, I've seen that like. An experience that I want to say is um, the production unit that we work with. I've worked with this chap before. And initially, mm-hmm. I used to go with smaller orders. Like, I would go with 10 pieces or 15 pieces or, like, five pieces. And, you know, he would, like, put me on the back burner and not give me that much importance. But it's been it's been two years now, almost two years. We stuck with him. We helped him out during COVID again. So now he takes us more seriously and he's just like, yeah, I want you guys to do well. And, sure, it's tough, but, you know, we'll we'll – struggle and we'll overcome um so so that that kind of change you definitely see uh in terms of our so our target audience right. was not 
aimed at the 70% um, of the rural population because okay. this was more of, okay, you know, women and men who understand craft, uh, who, who know craft or who at least have an inkling about it. And were just like, okay, you know, um, this is what Indian fabrics look like and stuff, but right. how can I wear this in a modern setting or how can I wear this in an urban setting? So I think we started off with that as our target segment. But what we have found out that is more than metros, you know, tier two cities want our stuff because there is a lack of like modern brands over there. So people want people from, uh, I, I wouldn't say Pune, but you know, uh, people from uh, Mohali or, uh, you know, people. Yeah, people are interested from there and then they send us messages and like oh we like your stuff we don't get to see anything over here so you know send it to us so it's great a lot of people are have smartphones now and we we're using instagram to reach our audiences okay awesome and i think with that guys i think we can sign off uh so tanvi charanya thank you so much for making the time thank you so much for doing this with us uh we really really appreciate it yeah you know ho- hope to stay in touch and and, and good thank luck. you so this much was, thank this you. was fun uh, it was yeah. thank you all thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you guys in the next one